that's all it is. It's Mm. a zero and a three that we have ascribed all of this power to. Once you cross that line, all of that pressure, all of those worries suddenly calms right down and you realize, you know what? Everything's fine. And actually Mm. I'm succeeding at life. And the confidence that you have when you get older as well, it's your asset. It's your best asset. Hello, my name's Riley Rose Harper, and this is How to Turn 30, the podcast all about tackling the transition from your 20s to your 30s. This is episode seven. Is it time for a friend intervention? Featuring Dr. Hannah Carell. Throughout our 20s, it seems like when it comes to friendships, we tend to go for quantity over quality. I remember throughout my early 20s, deliberately comparing how many friends I had against other people that I knew, making sure my Facebook friends were always well above 100 because, oh, God forbid, it would be so embarrassing if it wasn't. But that does change as you get older because you change and sometimes we outgrow friendships or they fall away for no particular reason. As the old saying goes, a reason, a season or a lifetime. And turning 30 is such a good chance to really look up and assess who you've got around you, who you're spending the most time with. Do they make you feel good? Do they inspire you? Do you walk away feeling happy or do you sort of dread the catch up and then you walk away feeling a little bit icky about the encounter? Because the same thing can happen in friendships as it does in relationships. Negging, gaslighting, they can be pretty toxic and sometimes you don't even realize how toxic they are because they're just your friends and they're just sort of there and they're in the background of your life and We don't really spend much time actually looking at the friendship and the relationship that we have with them and whether it is actually good for us and good for them too. And you know what? Your time is so precious. I will 100% put my hand up and say I have hung out and spent way too much time around friends that haven't made me feel particularly good about myself because I've just sort of gone to the catch-ups or the hangouts or just gone because I wanted to avoid conflict or making it awkward. To be honest, I've literally done this in the last few months. So it is all a learning experience. And this is why I wanted to speak to Dr. Hannah Carell today. She is a clinical neuropsychologist, a registered psychologist, and she's the author of the book, How to Break Up with Friends. From friend shit to friend split, a guide to ditching crappy companions. How good is that? Today, we're talking about our nearest and dearest friends and why it's important to be ruthless about who you're friends with because it's the quality not the quantity. It really is. And she's peppered some really good facts and some really good studies into our chat as well. And of course, we had to talk about making friends as you get older as well, because there is such a trope that you can't make friends as an adult. But Dr. Hannah, she believes otherwise. She's also shared with us how she felt about turning 30. Here is Dr. Hannah Carell. Hannah, thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's my absolute pleasure, Riley. Thank you for having me. Beautiful. Well, this is a podcast about turning 30, so I thought we'd kick things off with, (laughs) can you tell us a little bit about when you turned 30 and where you were at in life and maybe the thoughts that you were having around the milestone as well? Oh my gosh, this is the best question because I distinctly remember laying on my bed when I lived in Ballarat and I was talking to my best friend, um, one of my best girlfriends, and neither of us had hit 30 yet. We think we were like 18 months or two years off hitting 30. And we were talking about, oh my God, we should make a podcast about, you know, what to do before turning 30. And we had this brainwave as well, because we were having the existential crisis when it came to, oh my gosh, I'm about to hit the big three zero. So good on you, Riley, for actually making the podcast. But um, yeah, I absolutely was in a place um, where I realized I had this moment, I was doing a road trip 
um, from Canberra back to Melbourne one day and I realized, oh my gosh, you know, in this many months time, I'm going to turn 30 and something about the three oh, it's definitely a societal pressure mm. that's put on us women in particular. When you hit three zero, there's an expectation attached to that, that you are going to have certain things in your life that are done. So the expectation that you will have a husband and you will have a child and you will have a house and you will have X, Y, Z, other things under your belt by the age of 30. And if you don't have those things done, then you're a spinster. And God forbid, you know, you also happen to own a cat and you're a female because then you're a spinster with cat lady, crazy cat lady, um, which I just detest that, that saying that, you know, poor women get who are over 30 and happen to have a cat. It's so unfair. Um, mm. So there's a huge societal pressure that gets placed on us women to be a certain way before we're 30. And I absolutely fell victim to that as well, where I freaked out and I was like, I'm not married. I'm not engaged. I don't have children. I don't have a, I don't have a mortgage. I don't have a house. You know, at that time I was still kind of just had finished off my, my master's PhD because I took, you know, 12 years to do my Mm. qualifications. And so I was like, I'm so behind. Um, And I had those scary moments where I I was laid awake in night at night and thought, you know, am I failing at life? But I will say, you know, when I hit 30 and it was done and it it happened and I celebrated it, I I was like, this is fine. You know, the earth didn't shatter. The world didn't break. I'm, I'm 32 now. And I am, oh my God, can I just say, Riley, I am so happy and successful and powerful and my best self at this side of 30 than I could ever have imagined before I was by before I hit 30. So I was so afraid of this number because it, it, that's all it is. It's mm. a zero and a three that we have ascribed all of this power to that once you cross this line, it's like the line of no return. You go into the, the fiery pits of hell and that's it and you're done and you're dusted and that's that's the end of it. That's not the case at all. Once you cross that line, all of that pressure, all of those worries, all of, all that freaking out that you've been doing suddenly calms right down and you realise, you know what, everything's fine and actually mm. I'm succeeding at life and the confidence that you have when you get older as well, it's your asset, it's your best asset. Mm. And it's almost like you've curated this wisdom and these learnings that you've you know, learned from maybe making mistakes through your 20s and you can really learn them and put them into practice after you've turned 30. It's mm. also a really good way to kind of look up from your life and reassess. And I think this is particularly important when it comes to friendships because I really wanted to talk to you about friendships in terms of <laughs> them being a habit mm. because, you know, you, you sort of have your friends literally mm. from high school or uni days. And I know that even with a mm. friend that I had a few years ago, just a friend from high school, and you sort of like having brunch and stuff and you're walking away and you're like, I feel bad about myself, but you keep going back because that's mm. what you've always done. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of us are very, very lucky and we have these beautiful relationships from when we were younger and we maintain, you know, you maybe you lived in the same place or you, you happen to be in the same state yeah. that you're high school, your primary school friends are, which is fantastic. It's so great. But what I will say is, you know, longevity does not equal quality. (laughs) We we seem to, with all of our friends in all situations, this title of friend seems to come with this 
free hall pass to treat us however they want, mm. you know, and we, we kind of society has slipped into this mentality that a friend is a friend is a friend and it's better to have a friend than no friends. And if it's better to have one friend, then heaps of friends must be even better. So mm. I would rather have heaps and heaps and heaps of mediocre friends then have no friends or one or two that treat me really, really well. And we've kind of, you know, I think since the birth of kind of things like Facebook and Instagram, do you remember back in the day with Facebook, how, how many friends you had on Facebook used to be a big deal Um, and how many likes, yeah. And how many likes you had on your photo or how many likes your status had was a really big deal. And it was kind of to the point that if you didn't get enough likes on your, your status that people would delete it because it was embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, you must be a loser. You don't have enough, you don't have enough friends liking your post, which, you know, it's, it's really fed this insidious mentality in us where this idea that, you know, I must have a certain number of friends to be a worthwhile and worthy individual who's cool Mm. and who is worth hanging out with when in actual fact, the science and the literature totally flies in the face of that idea that lots and lots of friends is good. In fact, it tells us that fewer and truer friendships is way better for our brains, our cardiovascular health, our mental health, our physical health, and all of these other myriad of of health indicators. It's all about the quality of the friendship, not how many you had. No study has said lots of friends equal better health. Mm. They all pointed to the quality of those friendships equaling better mental health and physical health. So if you're hanging out with, you know, your best bud from primary school who tells you to shut up whenever you express your opinion or speaks down to you Mm. in front of the opposite sex or maybe says undermining passive aggressive comments to you and every time you walk away from that interaction with them you feel way worse than you did before and every time you go into an interaction you feel nervous about how are they going to treat me this time you know that that is telling you that you're you're tied to a toxic friend there you you've become tied to that person and it's not good for you Mm. and so what do you think is This is probably a hard question to answer in a short amount of time. But if you do have a friendship like that, because I find when I sort of feel like that towards a friend, I just end up ghosting. And then, and I don't think that's (laughs) the best way to handle things either. Do you think you should actually bring it up with them and see if you can salvage some of the friendship by saying, you know, I don't, I don't think how you speak to me is, is right. Mm, That's a great question. And I do go through this in detail in the book, you know, Mm. it's a, it's, a friendship breakup or, or an interfrenchion is a considered and measured process. So we're not talking about doing anything in the heat of the moment when you're four cocktails down and yes. they've just insulted your outfit. You know, that's not the time to, to bring up the, the friendship issues. Uh, it's all about sort of thinking ahead of time, taking that quiet space to reflect on yourself, why you're staying friends with someone who treats you this way, reassessing their behavior. And I take you through an in-depth in the book mm-hmm. um, and then actually learning that it's okay to communicate these things and how to actually communicate it in a way that makes you feel confident and not like you're detonating some confrontation bomb of awkwardness. There is actually an effective way to be able to speak the truth, (laughs) which is just things like, you know, being able to say when they do the the behavior, please don't speak to me that way. 
you know, mm. please don't treat me that way. So the book really, really takes you through understanding how you can feel empowered to actually say that. Uh, and then if they continue to treat you poorly, even though you've actually addressed it and said it out loud, please don't speak to me that way. And they keep doing it. Well, that's when you might need to actually engage in a friendship breakup. Yeah. So the book will take you through exactly how you do that and even give you the words that you can use to, to do it. Yeah, I love a script. <laughs> you mentioned it before about yeah. social media, Hannah, and um, I wanted to touch on that again, actually. Do you think that social media, we've sort of lost the magic of friendship a little bit because, you know, we're not, we might not be actually particularly engaging with our friends, but we might feel like we are because we see them pop up mm. on our newsfeed. Yeah, this is such a great such a great point, Riley. So in social media has brought with it a bunch of new social phenomena because we haven't ever had this way of interacting before. So now psychologists are trying to figure out what these new ways of interacting should be called. So we've actually had to come up with a bunch of new terms in order to define and quantify what we're seeing between people and society. So like we didn't used to have a term called ghosting, yeah. which is where you, you know, just stop taking calls, you stop replying, you disappear off the face of the earth. Yeah. We didn't used to have terms called no-shows where you just say you're coming to something but you don't show up. We didn't used to have terms like uh, social loafing, which is what it's called when you don't reply to the group invitation or you don't reply to the group message because you assume that no one will notice you amongst the crowd of other people who could reply. Uh, and we didn't have terms like JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't have these terms before and now we've had to make them to describe how people are interacting with one another. And I think the, the the double-edged sword of social media, which means that, you know, there's a good and a bad thing to it, is that it's made it really easy for us to access one another really quickly. Mm. So it's made our interactions really, really fast. So with a click of the button, you can press like and think that you've supported a friend on yeah. their status that they've just graduated uni. Or with a click of a button, you can say, I'm coming to the event. Or with a click of the button, you can say, I'm not coming to the event, the event anymore. You know, it's made our interactions really, really fast. And that's great in some ways because it means we can really quickly connect with one another. But the question is, are you really thinking about those connections deeply before you pull out of the event because you're too tired to go or before you, you know, just send the like and don't actually call your friend to congratulate them on their graduation day? You know, it, it's, it's almost too fast for us, for our little brains to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And we're not thinking through these things that we might otherwise have engaged in a more meaningful interaction with. So I suppose it's always good to kind of just slow down a little bit mm. before you hit that button and really think about what what is what is it what is my intention with this? Is my intention to show true support? Is this better face to face or over the phone? And before I pull out of this event, is my intention am I really thinking about the gravity of that impact on their mental health on my friend's mental health if I pull out of their event? Mm, I really love that. In regards to turning 30 as well, Hannah, I think, you know, speaking of meaning, we put so much meaning on relationships and having a partner and, you know, maybe getting married and, and all that. Do you think that sometimes I think yeah. that our friendships are even more important than our relationships and you almost get to a certain age and you're like, my friendship quota is done. I don't even need 
need to bother anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, that's so interesting you'd mentioned that because there is research that talks about basically the size of your brain and how many relationships you can handle oh, at any cool. given time. So you're right. Like friendships are similar to relationships with partners and, um, you know, they're, they're almost in a way longer sometimes than the relationships we have with yeah. certain partners. You know, you might date someone for six months, but you're friends with someone for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what we know is that, you know, the, the size of your brain corresponds, the size of your brain that, that, um, handles these complex social relationships is is limited like you know you think of a chipmunk's brain a dog's brain our brain they're all different sizes right so those parts that handle the social dynamics that's only a certain size and you only have so many hours in the day so for example the dunbar number which is done by robert dunbar who's a sociologist and evolutionary theorist he's kind of mapped on how big this part of your brain is versus how many friends and how many relationships you can handle. So in terms of really, really close relationships, so this is between family, this is between friends, this is between children and work colleagues, really, really, really close relationships. It's theorized you can, your brain can only really handle about five uber close relationships. Like they see you on the toilet or in the shower kind of level of closeness. Mm. So if you think about, you know, in, when you're in your early twenties, that might be mum, sister, and my, my three super duper close best friends. And then as you get older, maybe you, you get married and maybe you have a child and your mother-in-law comes into the, the picture as well. And suddenly, you know, those five close relationships are taken up by child, mum, mum-in-law, partner, and maybe one close friend. So there are different levels of closeness that your brain can handle. So less close levels you can handle more people on. So, you know, the next level is like 15 less close friends and then it goes to like 50 even less close friends and so on and so forth. And people can fluctuate between these levels. They can go in and out and up and down depending on the time of your life that you're going through. So some points in your life when you're knee-deep, in the crazy law degree you can't really find too much more time beyond you know the boyfriend and the mom and the sister and the two super close friends but then later in life when you know uni's done and your or work isn't so crazy you can have those close relationships with those friends again so it's important not to try to beat yourself up too much mm. for the idea that you need to have oodles and oodles of close friends and also you know, be kind to yourself. Some days you're going to be really close to a certain person and other days and other months that person might not be as close to you because they're going through different things in their life as well. Mm. And that's totally healthy and totally normal. It's exactly what you're saying. You know, in high school and in primary school, we literally had every recess break, every lunch break, we spent all (laughs) this quality time with our friends. So it's going to look different Mm. at different stages. Talk to me about Mm. making friends after 30. You know, it's Sometimes, you know, mm. it is a mm. stigma. My favorite topic. Yes. It's a it's such a stigma mm. that it's hard to make friends. What do you what would you have to say on that? Yeah. Oh yeah, you know that old adage, you can't make friends when you're you know, yeah. you can't make friends as an adult and you can't mm-hmm. teach a new dog an old dog new tricks. Um, <laughs> I don't like those sayings. No. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. You absolutely can you can make friends when you're at any age. You know, I always talk about the stats when people ask about friends, you know, making friends. The stats are that 25% of young Aussies are saying that they have a a close friend that they can talk to once or twice a month. 
That means 75% of young Aussies are saying they do not have a close friend they can talk to once or twice a month. Yeah. 50% of young Aussies are saying they don't have any friends. 50%. That means that every second person you see is actually wanting to make more of a connection. You know, those are kind of sad statistics, yeah. but we can look at them as a, at like glass half full kind of mentality. They don't have to be sad. What it actually means is half the population want to connect half the population probably more want to find friends they want to be close I really love that too and I think you know with um (laughs) and you know apps like Bumble and stuff have made it you know quite Mm. um you you can it's sort of at your fingertips rather than you know having to I don't I don't know what they did back in the day actually (laughs) absolutely and that's the really practical part of it you know like I you know don't be afraid that there aren't other people out there who want to make new friends I can tell you, I can tell you since I published this book and it was only, it's not even been a whole month yet, mm. I have been inundated, Riley, with people messaging me to say, oh, my gosh, this toxic friend situation has happened to me. I want to make new friends. I want to I want to meet new people. You are so not alone in wanting to make new friends and form good, true friendships. There are so many people out there who also want to do that too. It's just about finding the avenues to meet them and setting that little bit of time aside in your schedule and your diary, that one hour a week to go and do something social and and put yourself first enough to say, I'm going to give myself one hour a week to go and do this hobby or that hobby or go to this meetup group or this Bumble friend date. Mm. And that's really a self-respect thing, isn't it? Like yeah. it's not so much, you don't need me to give you tips on how to make friends. Like everybody knows you know how to make friends. Go on, if you really, really want to make friends, yeah. go on Meetup, go on Meetup to a friend-making group, go on Meetup to a pottery class, you know, go do your hobby, girl, and own it and love it and enjoy it and you will be exposed to other people with similar interests and this is your opportunity to make new friends. It's just about truly actually putting yourself in that position physically putting yourself in the position to make the friends but sometimes I think we slip into this um, mentality where we're like it's so impossible or it takes it feels like so much emotional effort to go and do it and it is a little bit initially but once you get the ball rolling and once you get out there you realize it's actually very very fun and you're having a great time and you're loving your salsa class and your bachata lessons and it's so much easier once you get the ball rolling so don't be afraid to just give it a go. Give it a crack. I love that. And it feels like such a nice way to end the chat today, Hannah. Your book, <laughs> How to Break Up with Friends, is available now. Pop a link to purchase it in the show notes. But Hannah, thank you so much for jumping on and thank you for writing this too because I think it I, I haven't really seen anything out there. You know, when you see so many dating handbooks and, you know, how to be amazing at your field mm. and whatever, but, you know, there's often not a lot of emphasis placed on our friendships and they are really mm. important. Oh, so important. Important. This is the friendship revolution, Riley. Yes. Things are changing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Hannah. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, like I said, you can purchase Hannah's book, How to Break Up with Friends, following the link in my bio, of course, also at any good bookstores. And you can follow Hannah at No Bull Psych on Instagram. Thank you so much to Dr. Hannah for jumping on the podcast today. I hope we can all go forth and have some really enriching friendships and really be mindful 
of what makes a good friendship too. And go make some more friends, even potentially. That's exciting. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, I would love you so much if you could rate it or even review it on Apple Podcasts or even check a screenshot of you listening and pop it up on your Instagram. That would be so amazing. You can find me at Riley Rose Harper or How to Turn 30 Podcast. On Instagram, I'll be dropping another episode in your feed next week.